0: Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brandt-Bernard
1: and Mike Molina.
0: And we have on the air in just a couple of minutes, we'll talk to Darkness Dave about Slender Man right after this Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically we're trying to represent
2: people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap.
0: Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at (laughs) walzercollision.com. We are back, Tom Bernard Show. Uh, Why are we listening to such dramatic music? Because Darkness Dave said, look, if I'm going to come on, it's going to have to be very dramatic uh, music (laughs) intro for me. So uh, we took care of that now. Darkness Dave, our special guest. If anybody knows about Slender Man, it would be Darkness Dave. First of all,
1: let me start off by saying that uh, you need to get the studio fumigated because I sat in Catherine's seat the other day. And I picked up the black plague. I've been running a fever of about hundred and two. Oh, no. I'm congested. Um, so I think you've got uh, you've got oh. some kind of flu demon in the studio. But uh, that's I not just, good. Uh, no, I heard the uh, I heard you guys talking oh, about Slenderman. Yeah. <laughs> nice knowing you, Mike. Just yeah. stay on that side of the board. Yeah. Um, the Slenderman cases. It's, it's that's really weird. We've covered that on our show uh, quite a few times throughout the years. And what I find really intriguing about this character is the fact that this guy, Eric Knudsen, he goes by the online name Victor Surge, created this character for a website forum called Something Awful. And he did it, I want to say it's like over 10 or 12 years ago at this point. He created this as kind of part of a contest, this mythical kind of tall, slender creature who wears like a, you know, kind of like the men in black. He's in a black suit and tie, but he doesn't have a face. So when you were talking earlier about how you can't ever really see him, the whole idea is you can't see him. His face is completely right. blanked out, and he's usually seen in the company of children. So that just amps up the creep factor even more. And uh, this guy c- created this character to be part of this kind of uh, online uh, competition. And what's really weird to us is you start, you know, that that one set of uh, murder, or, you know, attempted murder that took place in Wisconsin. That was only part of it. There had been just around that time around three or four other murder attempts in the name of Slenderman. Really? Where one guy <clears throat> was going to burn down his house uh, and kill his mother so that he could appease Slender Man. Uh, there was another guy who stabbed his father to appease Slender Man. And these were adult people that were doing it, not, not some disillusioned children that uh, had mental problems. I mean, it's, it's a very bizarre case. And the thing is, this Eric Knudsen, he didn't even create most of the mythology. He just kind of created the baseline of what this creature is and looks like. But there's been all this fan fiction that's been spun out for the last decade, and it's become so popular. There's a a phone app game called Slender, and you can play that. And uh, people I've talked to say it freaks them out. I mean, they play it, and they're, they're like unnerved for hours after they get done playing it. They've snuck Slenderman into some of the more popular video games out there, <clears throat> some of these war games and shoot and, uh, shoot 'em ups from time to time. If you go online and look it up where he shows up in video games, he pops up in all kinds of place, strange places, and you'll see him really? walking in the background yeah, or in, in windows. <clears throat> so there's there's this kind of weird phenomena that surrounded him. Now, what we found interesting was here you got Eric who created this character. We, we have the genesis point for it. We can still see it on something awful website but there have been characters like this throughout history that fit this exact same mold tall slender faceless with these like spider-like legs that can fold out from his back so well, yeah, I we mean, started researching uh,
0: slenderman <laughs> himself is basically just jack skellington without a face he's yeah, a s- yeah. very similar dressed to very similar build and he's exactly. of course yeah. jack skellington was created to be the you know master of scares
1: and and when you look at the fact that there have been religions and cultures that have talked about this character going back centuries, suddenly it becomes an interesting point. We refer to those things as tulpas, they're thought form manifestations. You know, we talk about how powerful the mind is and what we think about and what we, you know, focus on is what we bring into our world. Well, the, the idea has been, much like the Nightmare on Elm Street series, the, the idea that if you think about it and give it power, it becomes its own entity. It becomes a living, breathing creature. <clears throat> and there's a really great story regarding the Philip experiment that that your listeners can look up online. And that's another one that was done through college students and and for a class where they created this um, ghost. They called him Philip. They gave him a backstory. They gave him all this history and people would go in and investigate and they would get answers through the Ouija board or seances as though this character was real. So then you start wondering, well, what exactly are we dealing with in these cases? I mean, obviously this is an internet meme character, but there's so much more to it. I had on our show about five or six years ago, Tom, we talked about it, um, a lady here in Minnesota. She goes, I love listening to the show, love all the creepy stories. She goes, I got to tell you what happened to me. She goes, I was uh, stopping into caribou coffee like I always do on my way into work. She ran in, got her coffee. She comes out and there's a man standing there in a suit staring into her car window. So she approaches him and she yeah she goes can I help you with something and when he turns to look at her he has no face and she starts to back up and she's like she's trying to process what she just saw she she backs up goes back into the to the coffee shop and she's just standing there the baristas know her they come back they're like oh did we mess up something is everything okay she goes um there's there's a strange man standing by my car and he won't leave so they said oh well we'll go out with you they go out go outside and the guy's gone so she, they stay with her until she gets in the car and hits the road. About five minutes into her drive, she runs into this wall of traffic, and it's just backed up for miles. Finally, when she gets up to where she would normally be going to work, there's a big accident that occurred. They, uh, She asked the police officer what had happened, and at the time she would have normally been going through that intersection, uh, a bus went through barreling through and clipped a bunch of cars and killed a few people. So in this case, was this... Creature trying to keep her from her normal routine, and he put a hiccup in her system just enough so she didn't get in that car. So it's you know there's, there's an a case where you hear, about, yeah, and that it gave me the chills when I'm reading this from this lady uh, regarding this. We have a, another gal, um, Megan, and her uh, husband that were living in uh, Minnesota. They were on the way to a party out in the middle of Bumble Heck, Minnesota, somewhere, and they get to a T intersection. A car comes rolling through the intersection. Old beat up car. The guy turns to look out the window at him. He has no face. Both the wife and husband saw this and they're like what the hell was that they take a right and go back on their way to the party on their way back they get to that same intersection and they got T-boned in the exact same intersection oh. flipped over and had Ooh, they were both in the hospital for quite a while so you know it's it's weird what that's what i am so excited about when you talk about these weird aspects of the paranormal every time you start to think you understand what we're dealing with there's you know another version of it that seems to kind of contradict everything we once believed we knew about what we're dealing with.
0: You know, I have to read, uh, I have to read three, uh, messages from Joe from Louisville. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Here are the three. It takes too much effort to be happy. He was just talking about, you know, uh, we had a guest on him, uh, uh, Mr. Larkins, who said, just, you know, I get to do this. So Joe's response to that was, it takes too much effort to be happy. And then he says, please ask Dave if he's done a show about Slenderman." And then his third uh, email was, or text message, excuse me, was, okay, never mind. But have you done a show specifically about Slender Man? Well, not specifically. There's not much meat on that bone
1: other than pretty much what we've spoken about, oh, okay. maybe another 10, yeah, ten minutes that's... worth of. Kind of stories. So it's, we've, yeah. we've talked about it and we've talked to a couple of religious scholars uh, on the show regarding its place in history and the fact that it's been heard of and seen before uh, in different iterations throughout time. So that's what I find kind of intriguing. And the reason I mention the Freddy Krueger series is I, you know, I, I love silly 80s horror movies, but he reimagined Freddy Krueger in the final movie he did, um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, I think it was. And the whole idea is that, okay, the the Wes Craven, uh, New Line Cinema, all of that, they put Freddy Krueger to bed, there's no sequels coming, they're done. Well, there's a demon that kind of took over the character of Freddy Krueger, and it wants to be let out again. It liked the attention. So it's a movie within a movie. All the characters are played by the actors from the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and they're being attacked in their dreams by this demonic version of Freddy Krueger. And Wes Craven is in there, and he's typing the script that he keeps getting pushed to type and she goes over and reads it and it ends with like, and then Nancy looks over the, you know, the table at the typewriter and begins to read it. And then she looks over at Wes and he kind of shrugs. So it's this kind of cool idea of what, what are we really, do we really have free will? Is there something else going on that's much bigger than all of us? And, you know, once you create something like this and it takes on a life of its own, does it become its own entity? And, and there's, I think, a lot to be said about that. The, the ghost on the Queen Mary is probably another one of the best examples. Her name is Jackie, and she was a little girl ghost. She's often seen by the first class pool. And there's video footage of this little shadowy girl. There's audio footage. Peter James, the psychic who used to be on sightings, was very famous for being able to communicate yeah. with her. You could hear her singing out loud. And when we first did our trip down there with a bunch of uh, the ghost hunters from the TV series and Chris Fleming and... Patrick Burns, we went in there and we heard a little girl's voice start singing, London Bridge is falling down. We cleared out the whole area thinking somebody was joking around. We cleared out all the guests. They went on to the next location. We're standing there and all of a sudden it starts up again and this new group comes in and they stop and they could hear it. So we caught that on audio of this little girl singing London Bridge, but where it gets really janky is the fact that there is no record of a little girl ever dying on board the Queen Mary. Now, it might be like Disney. It's an attraction, so nobody's, you know, and it was a ship and a luxury ship, there's nobody that officially dies on board that or a Disney, right? They'll take you across the street and proclaim you dead there. So th- that could have been hidden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That could have been hidden, but the fact is that this little girl's ghost keeps making an appearance, and she's seen, she's heard, she's photographed, she's been recorded. But what we can find out is when Disney bought the ship at one point to make it an attraction, one of the workers noticed when they were working by the first-class pool what looked like a little wet footprint by the dry pool. And that was the genesis point for the little girl ghost of Jackie. So is this something that because so many people come and visit and so many people try to communicate, is there another spirit who's taken on the, you know, today I'm Tom Bernard, right, because Tom's not in, I'm going to sit in for Tom, so Jackie's not real, but some other spirit is pretending to be a little girl just to get the attention. Mm-hmm. We don't know. That That's right. where it gets weird, but in that point, you can see in history there is no little girl. Dave's...
0: It looks like he got disconnected. Eh? Don't he yeah. just drop? How much time do we have left in the segment? Not a whole lot.
1: Three minutes. Hope oh, he's still trying to get through.
0: Oh, we do have three minutes left. He's, yeah. Yeah, we just have. We can disconnect and just have a call back. Not working quite so well. Uh, well yeah, but I, I, I love the signal. Though. I tell you what, the 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 clarity of his phone is wonderful, and I do want to talk to him a lot more about this. But we can uh, we can cover this part of the story as far as Slenderman is concerned. Uh, the latest on Sony Pictures plans to release a movie featuring horror character Slenderman. 4:50 p.m. The father of two Wisconsin girls who attacked their classmate in an effort to please horror—it's uh, one of the two Wisconsin girls, of course—to please horror character Slenderman says Sony Pictures' decision to release a movie about the character is in poor taste. Every single comment about that story uh, has been negative, saying that Sony Pictures should not release this movie. It's in really bad taste. I don't know uh, what that's all about So the studio released a trailer for the movie On Wednesday morning, yesterday morning And one scene on a uh, a wall Is covered with drawings of Slender Man That resemble sketches of one of the Wisconsin girls See, now that's out of line If they're doing a sketch of the Wisconsin girls Who are going to be both institutionalized For the next 25 to 40 years That's way out of line if that's true
1: So we're uh, rejoined Uh, by darkness, Dave
0: Okay, excellent uh, Dave, I'm just going to finish the story. Can you stay for uh, another segment when we get back? Yeah, of course. Well, excellent. Uh, I just have one more paragraph, and then we'll go to break here. Uh, a scene in a wall is covered with. Dra- now, did you know about this? By the way, one of the one of the things I'm glad you came back in time for this, Dave. The studio released a trailer for the movie on Wednesday morning. In one, uh, one scene, a wall is covered with drawings of Slenderman that resemble sketches one of the Wisconsin girls, Morgan Geyser, gr- drew. Other scenes depict a girl stabbing herself and Slenderman stalking a girl in the woods. So I could understand the parents of uh, one of these girls who did the stabbing, Bill Weir, or Weir, I don't know how to pronounce the name. Weir, yeah. yeah. If you have your, it is Weir, okay. Yep. It's too bad because one of the CNN anchors' name is Bill Weir, and he's actually a Minnesota guy, and I, I really like the guy. So <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, same name, Bill Weir. But uh, Geyser and Anessa Weir lured classmate Peyton Lutner, uh, to a Waukesha park in 2014, Geyser stabbed Lutner 19 times before she and Weir fled. They said they believed they had to kill Lutner so they could become Slenderman's mm-hmm. servants and protect their families from Slenderman. Uh, is that pretty common? Is Because there there have been kids attacking their parents with knives, so it's not always about protecting your family from Slenderman. Right. and Sometimes, sometimes Slenderman has you attack your own family, is that correct? In your mind, well, of course. Right it's it's their mind Andy
1: brought up earlier listen if it's not slenderman it's the dog wasn't it son of sam who said his dog was telling him to kill people
0: Yeah exactly right? yes. so
1: so it could be anything but here you know for them to get all bent out of shape well it's an image that looks eerily like the image that, you know, the one girl drew. Well, pretty much Slenderman looks like every other version of Slenderman drawn. So it's to say yeah. that it looks like the yeah. one specific is kind of a reach. And then, you know, there are a few aspects of it that you've you just got to kind of look at and say, well, listen, this was part of the history before this yeah. attack. You know, the, leading them into the woods, they wanted to get access to his palace that is hidden in the woods also by murdering her. Because once they prove to him that they're, good acolytes, they'll open up the, the gates and let them in. Uh, and then he too would stop wanting them to hurt their family members. So this was kind of their deal. But I think that was a ploy because that was not part of the original story. The original story was that they had to kill this girl so they could get access to his palace. I think okay. the, they were looking for a sympathy ploy of, listen, these girls were just in their mind believed that they were trying to save their own family. I think that came later in the uh, in, right. in the defense version of the story if i recall properly but uh, that's
3: that's
0: where it would come from all right we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes more with darkness dave right after this tom bernard show
3: I'm Brad Huckle, President of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say, the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a long-time customer with a growing practice. Their banker Julie Marshall knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital and equipment loan or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a
0: call. North American Banking Company. A better banking experience. Member FDIC and Whatever it takes. We are back, Tom Bernard Show. Our special guest, Darkness Dave, talking about Slender Man on the Tom Bernard Show. Hey, um, one question I have for you, considered concerning characters like Slenderman. Why mm-hmm. do we need Slenderman? Why do, why do human beings need Slender? Because obviously they do, otherwise Slenderman would be ignored. Well, there's a lot of different levels to that. First of all, people love to be scared. They love a good
1: scare. They, it makes people feel alive, right? I mean, you, you never feel more alive than you do at the moment near death. So I think that that's why people love roller coasters and bungee jumping and horror movies. It brings out that release in you as a matter of fact they tell you if if you really want to connect with a person on a first date take them to do something scary because you have that shared endorphin rush which releases a sexual communication chemical in your system and it will bond you and bind you better so that's why horror movies are usually the best choice we always thought it was just so they'd snuggle in a little closer well that was just part of the story the rest is that it truly does release an endorphin that that makes the other person seem more attractive to you because it's kind of that florence nightingale sense you know, you're there to protect and and be there for one another. Um, the other side is we as people are just stupid. Um, I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, look, now a I perfect know. example. A perfect example is Moses convinces all of the children of Israel, "Let's go through the through the desert. We're going to get out of here. We're marching out." They. They defeat the Romans, they, they get out, and Moses says, listen, the Lord wants to talk to me, i got to go up the mountain, I'm going to meet with, with God, I'll be back down. He's up there for not very long, and has his communication with God, comes back down and finds the people praying the golden calves, and it, it was like no time. People want to be led, they want to have something to believe in whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And I I think that's just built into our structure. That's why leadership and politics and things are so important and how some people can sit back and look at Donald Trump and go, what are you thinking? Why would we want this man in power? And others are thinking, why wouldn't you want this man in power? It's a completely different look than we've ever had in politics before, and it's a shakeup. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, at the end of this four-year run, there are going to be some major changes in the political atmosphere. So it's because people want to believe in something, even if it doesn't make sense to the rest of us. You know, if you look at the case, and I'm not trying to piss on Christianity here, but if you look at the case of um, Christianity, there are, I think, 12 different deities that predate Jesus Christ that, sure, that predate him that share the same story about being um, born of a virgin, suffers, is, you know, killed in order to save his people and help out. So it's kind of just a cyclical version, and did Jesus have a better PR machine behind him? Is that why his story Brother. stuck and Hor- <laughs> Hor- Horace didn't? But if, if you think I'm kidding, go look it up and, and look up how many other, you know, iconic characters through history and religion match the Jesus Christ story long before Christ was around and long before his story was told
0: so we have a need you think, and desire to look into it. Do you think that's why the—and the, look? And look, I'm not a religious guy, and I'm not trying to condemn anyone's religion or any. Just like darkness Dave said, we're not trying to, to diss Jesus or anything. But why do you think that that story is the one that stuck around and the others most people don't even know about? You know, again, because it might have been that time in history, right? Look, at at one point,
1: who would have thought that the governor of Minnesota would have been— a former WWE wrestler, right? right? That seems comical. And if you remember, there's that movie, Idiocracy, that shows a reality guy becoming president of, of, the, uh, of the United States. So it's not that far removed from reality, right? I mean, it is what it is. Things change, and if you're in the right place at the right moment, and look, you've, you've talked about it. You went into a radio station and just said, hey, uh, this is what I want to do, and you got into radio. That doesn't happen for everybody, Tom, right? You were in the right place at the right time, making the right move. Yeah. That was your introduction to radio. So why does it happen for some and not for others? I don't know. It, it's, it's fascinating nonetheless, but, you know, is it the press release information? You know, they, they had a big, you know, the Catholic Church is nothing to mess with. That's a huge organization, and it's a great uh, media organization. So it pushes an agenda, and probably better and stronger than any of the other religions that came before it that fell by the wayside and, and fell under dust. So that could be why the Jesus story is much more popular. Um, you know but again there 's no way to know for sure I, I grew up christian i'm still I believe myself to be Christian, but it doesn 't mean that I believe every aspect of the of the story I think it's sure. more as a book sure. it 's just the right way to live our life, and that 's kind of where it, where it comes
0: from so it 's a situation where people do need uh, to have a belief whether it's yeah okay so i understand that, that there there's a sexual element to the whole and it's kind of interesting that, that you brought that up the sexual element of being scared and i don't want to get too creepy here but i'm just stating facts that those girls who attacked the other girl were all 12 years old and of course 12 years old is a very important time in in someone's life where they change from being a child to becoming at least partially an adult mm mm-hmm. yeah and and so people... i mean it's,
1: And you'd like to think this isn't something that's normal or natural, and these two girls were outside of normalcy. But I'll tell you, you know, I I grew up being bullied all the way through until uh, middle school, like horrendous bullying. Got the crap beat out of me almost daily, just had a horrific time. My daughter, who is 12 years old, is going through the same thing. And what's even more chilling is two of the girls that are bullying her, uh, she shows me this video that they send her. And there's one girl in the front seat leaning around the seat calling her the C word, the A word, the B word, you name it. And her sister's in the back seat filming it threatening my daughter. And who's driving the car? Their mother. What? And Wait you, a minute. Run that yeah. by me again. Yeah. So you've got these two girls threatening to beat my daughter up to, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, torture her and do horrific things to her and calling her every four-letter nasty name under the book. And my daughter has to eat in the uh, uh, counselor's office now while these— dirt balls get to sit in general populace with all the rest really? of the So you, you look really? at it and you think, well, there's not that many people that are like this, but it is. I mean, it touches all of our lives. Here we are, t- perfect example. And, and one of these girls has been busted recently for videotaping um, her, her friend beating up other people. And she'll just go at it and she, the other one will videotape them doing it. So evil is a real thing. And it's scary as hell when more than one person finds another that thinks, hey, this is okay. This is fun. God, but well, we see that, the human mind's we see an amazing resist- thing, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's an amazing and terrifying thing all at the same point. And one thing, if I can mention, you you talked about, and I I don't want to make it seem like I'm diminishing the victim's claims for the Slender Man movie. The father and the daughter have horrific attachment to that, and I understand that. But it is also public information, public knowledge. Is it in the best interest to put out a movie like that? Probably not, but it is truthfully one of the creepiest characters in history. So it, it was only a matter of time before somebody was going to start doing a movie about this. And, you know, then you talk to Christopher Lutz, the youngest boy from the Amityville horror case, and when Ryan Reynolds did that remake of Amityville, you remember they made the villains, kind of the ghosts, are the DeFeo family that were murdered in the house. Suddenly, the DeFeos become kind of this villainous, evil source. And God, they were victims. They were in their beds sleeping when their brother came in and shot them all to death. And in that point, I see that's where you're taking characters and making real life, a fictionalized version of it. And that is wrong. If they were taking a character based on the daughter and doing that, and and that was the main character, I could say that's wrong. If they're going to just show it as a part of the story, a small segment, kind of showing how this thing is spreading. I understand where they're going with that because it is part of our, our lexicon. That's part of our world and part of what ties it from fiction and fantasy realm into the real world. And when you can do that with a horror movie, take it from fantasy and
0: connect it to the real world, that makes it even more terrifying. I have a question for you about happiness and anger. Do people Mm -hmm. get a much more, a much greater endorphin surge from being angry than they do from being happy? Because I'm, I just wonder, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand why people love to go on social media and be so horribly negative and say such horrible things to other people. Did they get a a huge endorphin rush? Was it a power thing? I think it's a, you know,
1: I, I would bet that most of the people that do that are dealing with their own demons and the fact that they have been abused yeah. in one way, shape, or another, and this is their flex of power, and they can do it and get away with it because who's going to come after them? And, yeah, because nobody knows who they
0: are, right. Right, so, so it's this
1: mask of anonymity. Um, you know, they, they've done documented studies where they'll put people in a room fully lit and complete strangers, and there's barely any interaction. They flip off the lights, bring in another group, and they're touching each other and kissing each other, no clue what each other looks like in the dark. But there's really? that massive intimacy, strength, and you're allowed to kind of be what you want to be and who you want to be in that dark zone. So when you're on the internet and you're hammering away, people are able to do that. Do I think? I think there's an endorphin rush on both. It gives people negative. It gives them a way to purge some of what they're doing. But the difference is, at the end of that, they're not left feeling satisfied and up. They're left feeling drained and broken. Whereas people that choose much like your guest said, and I've always lived by this and I'm trying to get better at it to turn my got to's into get to's. You know, I don't, I got to take my daughter to basketball today and then I got to pick my son up and run him around and it's really negative, but man, Hey, my daughter's healthy and safe and alive. My son is healthy and safe and alive. I get to take them to do things that they love that will make them a better person in life. And it's easier to feel that way. And then realize what I'm doing is good and I'm helping others. And sometimes if we can just redirect our thought process and break the cycle, and it's hard. And when you feel yourself in that downward spiral, what can you do to lift yourself back out of it? And, you know, sometimes it's just being vulnerable. You know, one of the things we've done over the years on our our show is Tim and I talk openly about our struggles with depression and anxiety. And it helps a lot of people get letters and emails from people around the world that are like, man, I thought I was alone in this. And to hear that you did this and you're still around, that gives me hope. And sometimes it's just being open, and, and I didn't realize that that was a, possi- you know, a positive message that I was giving to people, but it impacted people. And, and that's what I try to do with my show, with our social media. We'll joke around and have some fun and, and, and just try to lighten things up as much as we can. Even though we're a show called Darkness Radio, we, we, don't, we take things lightly and we have a little fun with it and try to engage people, entertain people, and enlighten them along the way.
0: Yeah, and I think helping people out that way is a huge thing. I, I do. I would. I would like to see us teach get to in our grade schools around the country. Instead of you've got to do this, uh, teach them you get to do this. I, I think it'd be very, very positive and, and a wonderful thing to do. Right, you'd take people out of the victim frame, which we, which is what we're more
1: teaching people. That's why there are these safe zones everywhere. Instead of teaching people to be victims, teach them to empower themselves. And that they don't need others to make them feel better. And they don't need someone else to put their armor on them. Teach them how they can do this. Give them the tools. Our schools teach the most rudimentary, basic facts. And they don't actually put anybody out into the world prepared to live life. And that's, that's no,
0: unfortunate. I, it is unfortunate. I, I, just, I, I really think we have to refocus uh, our national attention since there is social media. And it's never going to go away. Um, you, you get to – look, you don't have to respond to any of these people. You get to talk to the people, and that's something you can learn very, very quickly. Um, as know, far as being Catherine bullied on social media.
1: I was going to say real quickly, yeah, you Catherine mentioned earlier that she gets more comments on her negative. So if she says, oh, this movie sucks, yes. she'll get 100 messages, and if she goes on and says she likes something, she gets very few. Here's something you can look up. Maybe have Andy pull it up and you guys can talk about it in another segment. But they actually did a, an experiment on Facebook a number of years ago where they limited what was being seen. So only negative comments were being seen by people. And they were judging how people were impacted by it. And they noticed that if you, if you filtered through social media only negative, people would then go into this downward spiral. And they admit to having messed with people and messed with people's minds doing this experiment. And then the, the next day they would do just positive messages. And there are all of these stupid metrics that that Facebook and Twitter have, that if you're not living it up to, only a small portion, like, you know, I've got 5,000 followers on Facebook. When I post something, theoretically, all 5,000 of the people that decided to follow me should see that message. But it really only goes to about 108 people. And then the more people that like the comment I said, it opens up that filter to more people and more people. So you literally have to get that. And people will notice you get traction on a negative comment, and they like that they're getting attention and, and pity because I, I go on and say, hey, I see. I'm, I'm dying of the man flu here and I get a billion comments. Oh, you big sissy and, you know, joking around and fun. If I was like, hey, today's a great day and I feel great, I'll get 10 comments and they won't like it. They won't pass it on. You know, <laughs> so, so I can see there's, there's an allure to drawing people in. And if you're looking for attention, which most people are, right, it's like the people that go oh, you know what, I'm going to do something nice and anonymous. I'm going to make a donation or I'm going to go feed the homeless. And then you go on social media and go, I just did an anonymous donation for $20 million. Well, then it's not anonymous. You just admitted you made a $20 million donation. So we all want to be loved. We all want to be respected. And we all want people to tell us everything's going to be okay.
0: I think it's a wonderful idea. I'm glad you called in. I uh, During the last segment or you know, the last hour, I should say, darkness uh said hey maybe I, you want me to pop on and talk about slender man we always have great conversations i really appreciate you calling in today not a problem i'll talk to you guys next tuesday when i'm back in studio as long as i have over the man flu <laughs> works for me thanks a lot we'll be back tom bernard show my pillow is the holiday gift that keeps on giving long after the bath and body soaps have washed down the drain and the new treadmill has been turned into a clothes rack your my pillow gift will be guaranteeing your friends and family a great night's sleep Buy one MyPillow and get one free online with my code KQRS or call my special offer number at 800-694-2056. Buy one, get one at MyPillow.com, keyword KQRS, or call 800-694-2056. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. LASIK changed my life. Dr. David Whiting changed my life. He can get rid of those contacts. Get rid of those glasses and truly change your life. He's performed over 100,000 LASIK procedures, so there's no one else around who can compare. Let me tell you, if you're thinking about having your eyes corrected, check out Dr. Whiting and the folks over at Whiting Clinic. They've got the most advanced lasers, they've got the most experience, and they've got the best price guarantee. All the reasons you'd choose Whiting Clinic for your LASIK vision correction. Make this year the year. That you get LASIK from Dr. David Whiting. Schedule your free LASIK exam at whitingclinic.com and please tell them I sent you. That's whitingclinic.com to take the first step in having clear, lens-free vision at Whiting Clinic LASIK and eye care. Ah, really? You went with darkness? Ah! Yep. Molly. Melina being all clever. (laughs) So we do
3: have uh, Lieutenant Thomas Potter on.
0: I love it. Lieutenant uh, Thomas Potter, ladies and gentlemen, Discovery Channel's true crime series, Killing Fields, travels to Virginia to re-examine a chilling, cold-blooded homicide, Killing Fields, a murder aisle. uh, We're talking tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, Lieutenant, how are you?
3: I'm good, Tom. How are you today?
0: I'm doing extremely well. Does it wear you out doing what you do? Does, does humanity take a lot out of you, or is it just uh, one of those situations? We had a, we had a, a guest on earlier who wrote a book about how instead of I've got to do something, he looks at life as I get to do something. Do you look at your job as I get to help people, or I've got oh. to do the, what I do? Oh, yeah.
3: yeah, no, for 20 years, that's how I've looked at this job as you know, I get the honor and the privilege every day to, of coming out here, as tough as it is some days, to help people. Yeah, it, it's a it's a tough
0: but rewarding job. It's what I love about cops and firefighters, and well, all people. And thank you for your service. I think it's just absolutely wonderful. Sure, thank you. Uh, what you do? No, it's absolutely true. Um, oh, I got to mention one thing about Darkness Day was just on. Uh, uh, there's no question about it. You can check out uh, Five Days a Week. Darkness Dave show is at darknessradio.com. That's a darknessradio.com. Darkness Dave, Lieutenant Thomas Potter with us. Killing Fields Murder Isle premiering tonight. Tell us all about it, if you would, sir. I can't wait to hear it.
3: Yeah. So Killing Fields Murder Isle. Um, this is a cold case investigation about a unsolved um, homicide from 2004. A young lady named Carrie Singer was. Brutally murdered and dumped here in, in Olive Lake County, and for the last 13 years, this um, this case has gone unsolved. But here, this past summer, we, we decided to open up the books, take another look at the case, and had a production company and Discovery Channel follow us every step of the way um, to re-examine this, this uh, brutal homicide. We we took advantage of um, just some great advancements in forensic technology that that quite frankly wasn't available. In most cases, it wasn't available five years ago, much less uh, 13 years ago, to re-examine some evidence and just to uh, see if we couldn't bring some closure for Carrie's family first, for our community, and then lastly for some of the same investigators in our department who worked this case uh, 13 years ago are still here with us today, and so we wanted to bring some closure to them as well.
0: How many cases like this are there? Got to be thousands of them, or at least hundreds of them. I would imagine. There are
3: there are thousands of unsolved um, cold cases all across the country. But um, you know, one of the, the the things with advancement in technology today and, and forensic sciences is that that there are new opportunities um, that present themselves to law enforcement to go back um, to take a look at those cold cases to apply things today and to see if we can't. Um, close some of those cases. I mean, listen, we, we owe it. And I look at it this way, that I owe it to the citizens here in our county to try to bring closure, to to give them some answers. And so if it means um, exploring new technologies, then that, that's what we're going to do here. And I think that's some um, of the sentiment across the country. For all law enforcement,
0: Lieutenant, what, what, when were killing fields first discovered? I, I, it's been several years now. But when I was a little boy and even a teenager, I don't ever remember hearing that term "killing fields." Where'd that come from?
3: You know, I'm not sure exactly where where it comes from. Um, I think it's a um, for us. It came out of I think people looking to take advantage of our way of life here. I mean, we're we're a somewhat rural community or yeah. a small community. We're tight nipped and uh, so I think people want whether it's you know bigger cities or other areas think if I can I can commit a crime I can. You know, out out where we are, there are no street lights, there are no surveillance cameras on poles. I mean there's no one out uh, there. And so I think people think, you know, I can take advantage, I can do something like this, I can dump a body, whether it's in a field or a river, and you know, then no one sees what I do and I can get away with it. Um, that's that's not always the case though.
0: You know what's amazing, Lieutenant, is that this entire three hour show today, we've come and gone with people people liking to make negative statements. Uh, The new mayor of St. Paul was sworn in today, St. Paul, Minnesota. And the first thing he did is make a negative statement about the Star Spangled Banner. And then we had another story about uh, uh, U.S. Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions saying, oh, no, no, we got it. I don't want people, uh, you know, legalized pot. I don't want them getting high and getting all violent and all the rest of it. And why do we like to be so negative? And what is... There must be a great thrill for some people to go out and just harm other people for no reason. And going to, as far as massacring people. What's the great you know, it, thrill? Does it, anybody ever figured that
3: amazes, out? It amazes me. I'm not sure what the thrill is. We, we, we had this conversation often throughout the last several months um, investigating this case. It, it amazes me as a human being what we do to our fellow human beings and what we are capable of doing. Um, uh, is it a flaw in human nature, or what is it? I, I don't know, but you're exactly right. We go to great lengths to hurt one another when it's so much easier to be nicer and kinder and 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 be more positive. Um, you, th- that is one thing that I'm blessed with here. The group of investigators that worked on this case, it it was. So easy and it is so easy for us to get very negative about the roller coaster ride that this and other cases take us on, very negative about some of the people that we have to deal with on a daily basis and in interview, but yet we, we we choose to take a very positive stance in how we investigate this case and all of our cases and I think that affects um, the outcome of these cases just as much as forensic DNA technology or anything else, that any other tool that we use, I think a positive attitude is, is our greatest asset.
0: No, no, I don't think there's any question about it. You know, my son is sitting here next to me in the studio, and is on the show. And one of the most proud moments I had as a, as a father and pr- proud of my son, we're walking along and there was some landscaping being done. And, you know, they lay down that, uh, that wire mesh uh, to get things to grow up through it. And there was a what was it a chipmunk Andy that was caught in it? Oh yeah, the the, the
3: chipmunk in the um, near the bridge. Yeah,
0: near a bridge. It was uh
3: yeah, it was like this the mesh facade or something yeah. like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was exactly what it was. And there was this chipmunk all caught up in there. Andy ran back home, got some pliers, got some scissors, whatever he needed, and 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 I just loved watching you, Andy, take great a great thrill in releasing that little chipmunk because that chipmunk would have died had Andy not, not freed him.
3: So let's get Andy off the radio and let's give him a badge and sign him up for the law enforcement <laughs> or sign him up for the fire service because that's the exact type of guy that, and, and, and attitude and personality that we need in whether it's law enforcement today or the professional fire service. So tell him to come to Virginia. I'll have an appointment with the sheriff and we'll swear him in next week. <laughs>
0: We we'll get Andy to be a cop. That's exactly why I love cops. Uh, my mother's family had several cops uh, in it, whether it be with the sheriff's department or the police department in Minneapolis, or Saint Paul, whatever. So I've been around cops my whole life, and the cops that I knew are certainly not the ones they talk about on television. Oh my God, they love to take advantage of people, and they no, that's not what I saw at all. It's always how can I help somebody? How can I? As far as going to the point where you. Lieutenant Thomas Potter, put yourself in danger to make sure that other people are not in danger. That's so admirable, and yet you're criticized for doing it.
3: Everybody has their opinions. Everybody can criticize. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm almost 20 years into doing this job, and I, if, I, if I went out here every day and I did my job based on what other people thought, of how of me or how I'm supposed to do my job, I just go crawl back in bed and hide under the covers. I mean, I go out here every day to do a job. Um, I chose to do this job. I chose to stand before a judge and raise my hand and swear, uh, you know, an oath. And that oath, um, next to my relationship with, you know, my family and my kids, that that's one of the most important things in my life. And so I do it because I enjoy doing it. I, but I'm no different than the thousands of other cops across this country. Um, we do it. We don't think about the dangers. We don't think about um, the time away from home. We're nothing like uh, you guys. that we're experiencing a little snowstorm here in Virginia today. Um, my family is, is sitting at home by themselves, and I'm out here working. And you know, is the electricity going to go off? Can the roads are the roads passable? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, our, right. our six to eight inches of snow are shutting us down here. Um, but it's um, I do it. I'm here. Um, they're there. They understand it. I understand it. This is my job, but this is my calling in
0: life. It's a wonderful thing. We're talking to Lieutenant Thomas Potter about Discovery Channel's true crime series, Killing Fields, where he traveled to uh, Virginia. Across America, there are isolated places that appear untouched in these desolate and sprawling areas known as Killing Fields. Dozens of uh, deaths remain uh, mysteries, baffling anyone daring enough to investigate. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time, Discovery will head to the Isle of White County, uh, Virginia, to investigate a brutal cold case in the third season of the network's hit true crime series, Killing Fields. It is a great series. It really is.
3: It is. um, I'm a big fan of... You know, we're going into our, our third season here. I was a huge fan of, of the first two seasons. Um, I think that fans of the first two seasons will enjoy the work um, that our folks did here. I can tell you that I was um, amazed and astonished at the quality of work that the Discovery Channel um, puts out, and so um, and the production company that worked with us. Um, I think that um, I think people will like what they see tonight.
0: I don't think there's any question. I just a quick aside, uh, Lieutenant. Uh, I, I believe it is Virginia. Didn't they flip a coin today to pick uh, to pick a state senator?
3: You know they did, and I was out pushing. I wanted to watch it <laughs> to see who, who who won the got the short straw or who got the uh, the, the the coin toss. I mean, actually, that district it borders our county, so it'll have some effect on, on um, the representation just to the north of us. So, but I was out pushing cars out of snow today, so I didn't get a chance to see who won the, the coin toss.
0: Well, I could tell you, but I don't want to ruin it for you. If you want it to be a surprise, I, I could no, tell you, you who won.
3: If you know, tell me, because I was going to Google it as soon as you, I hung up the phone with you.
0: <laughs> okay. Again, ladies and gentlemen, in Virginia, there was a flat-footed tie. This is for the state Senate, correct? That's correct. And the Senate uh, in Virginia is also tied so this flip of a coin they went through everything they possibly could this flip of a coin is going to decide who has the one up in the state senate in virginia they flipped a the coin today and the republican won.
3: well that should be interesting that that should be interesting. <laughs> he previously held, he previously held that seat so he he was the incumbent in that 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 area so uh and he's exactly right it was a uh the democrat was up by one vote there was a contested ballot. Uh, Three-judge panel ruled that that ballot would go to the Republican candidate, which made it all tied. And in Virginia politics, everything comes down to a horse race or a, corn to- a coin toss.
0: <laughs> I think that's wonderful. I really I, – I think that's absolutely wonderful that they flipped the coin. And I, it was a quarter, I believe, they were going to anyway. I didn't see the actual coin flip itself. I just saw it on the news. Uh, so they flipped it, and, and that's how it was decided, and that's uh, what we moved – uh, on uh, within in the state of Virginia. Uh, Lieutenant, do you run across cases where things have occurred you can't even believe? I mean, you've seen a lot in 20 years. There's no question about seeing just about everything in 20 years. Do you still see people do things you can't even fathom at this point?
3: Every day of the week, I, I see stuff, and it just amazes me that either people's inhumanity, people's insensitivity, or just... You know, I find myself often going. I did not think I could beat what I saw yesterday, but I've just done that today. So, um, but you know what? That's what makes this job interesting. There are no two days alike in law enforcement. Um, If I wanted a job that was um, just alike every day, I would never have gotten in this profession. I'd go and do something else. Um, But that's 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 part of this job is no two days are alike.
0: I think it's wonderful, Lieutenant Thomas Potter. Killing Fields, ladies and gentlemen, on Discovery Channel. It's tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time. Lieutenant, a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your service, sir, and I hope we talk again soon.
3: Hey, sir, thanks for having me on the show today. Have a great day.
0: It's our great pleasure. Lieutenant Thomas Potter, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how those men and women do that because I remember being horrified when I was a little boy. I think I was about 12 or 13, something like that, and we had a dog named Herbie. He was kind of a German shepherd and a husky cross or something. He was just a mutt that we found well, we found as a little tiny dog in the street. And he was around our house for several years. And then one day he just came up missing. And it was really weird. His name was Herbie. And it, it was really weird for Herbie to be missing. I thought, well, where did Herbie go? I mean, he's, he was either in the house or in the backyard, which was fenced. Uh, so we just didn't understand it. So one day I'm walking along, going to Cleveland Park on Lowry Avenue in uh, North Minneapolis, and I, there's a dentist's office there. And I saw something really weird in, in front of the dentist office. It was kind of getting dusk, you know, that time of day. It was on a Sunday. And so I thought, what well, what's that all about? So I walked up, and it was our dog, Herbie, and somebody had beheaded him. And I'll never forget how horrified I was to see that. So I can't even imagine when these guys walk up on beheaded human beings, man. It's just, I still carry that chill with me to this day. So what these men and women go through, I, I don't know if I'd have the guts uh, to get it done. No question. Thank you to everyone on the show today. Just a terrific show today. Wonderful, wonderful guests. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show. <laughs>